You're listening to the No Gray Areas podcast with Patrick McCullough. We welcome back J.J. Parma, a 21-year U.S. Navy SEAL veteran. By sharing his stories, J.J. explains what it takes to be a U.S. Navy SEAL. Let's dive in. J.J. Parma, welcome back. So you were one of the first guests on our No Gray Areas podcast, and by popular demand, <laughs> you're back. It was one of the most listened to podcasts that we've had so far. But let me, let's me let just catch Shot. the audience up, because some of them may not know or they maybe didn't watch that. I think right. it was episode three and four that you were on. But you grew up where? Uh, inner city kid. You were an inner city kid? Brockton, Massachusetts. Okay. City Massachusetts. of Massachusetts. Remember we covered that? Yeah, I think, last yeah, time. yeah. And you played hockey because you went on and played hockey in college, right? I did. I, I would hardly call it played though. I dressed, <laughs> dressed, walked on, and then left. And so, but ended up playing, you know, at a Division three college and now as a Division one college. Like the, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Matter. But after that, then you graduate uh, and then you decide you want to become a Navy SEAL, which is where you yep. spent the next 21 years yep. as a Navy SEAL, right? Correct. So what what was it? Review that really quickly. What was it that made you want to be a Navy SEAL? Because you you weren't, some some boys grow up and they hear about this and they're like, that's what they wanted to be their whole life. You didn't even know what a Navy SEAL was uh, up until you saw some poster, no. right? So back, in, you know, back then, all myth, lore, rumor. Yeah. I mean, there was no... There was some internet, right? We had, we had Netscape. What was the browser? Netscape, like that. Yeah. I don't even. I yeah. remember going on a computer and not being able to. The, the screen wouldn't even load. Uh, I remember typing in in my junior year of college or whatever, Navy SEALs, um, and getting like half a picture, and then the fifty six K would. <laughs> yeah. And then you just leave the library, right? It's mm-hmm. like one of the two computers that are there. But uh, mm-hmm. the story goes back to my my youth, and I, I can't remember whether we discussed this last. Yeah. I'm sure we did because. Pretty significant point. My my father was a Vietnam vet. Okay. Um, passed away last year, but he was he was did two tours in Vietnam and uh, first Air Cav Army. And did he talk much about that? He, so he didn't talk about it. Okay. And the more he didn't talk about it, the, the more, more fascinated were. I became. Yeah. Yeah. I I had every book as a kid from the Vietnam War. I had every story, every collection, every Time Magazine book that was produced with the photos and the VC and the Americans and just I was fascinated with the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, I played, you know, I was the army guy. I went to the surplus store, bought all the stuff. I had all the jackets, yeah. collected stuff. My, some of my, um, relatives had served. My grandfather served, my uncle served. Um, and I would collect all, all that gear and we'd play as kids hours on end, you know? So you were, as a child, you were fascinated with the whole uh, military fascinated, thing. Yeah. Fascinated. Wanted to serve. A lot of it because your dad served and he wouldn't talk about it. Right. I yeah. think that's where yeah. a lot of the, that generated yeah. and, uh, it comes from. So then what what connected with the Navy SEALs for you then? So that's that story goes just goes into the into the future. So the hockey piece is, is significant. The sports piece is significant. I played football and hockey yeah. in college. And um as I got older, I got pretty proficient at, at the sport of of hockey. I loved it. It it was um it was a good distraction for me. Um my that military calling, so to speak, kinda took a back seat for a long time and I didn't even realize that it had, it had just kind of mm. went on ice for a little while. Yeah. Right. Cause you were froze. so focused on it's focused. Yeah. And, and I, I like how you yeah, pretty good. That yeah. in, went on ice. Yep. That was, that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. was beautiful. No pun, int- yeah. pun intended. Yeah, yes. Pun intended. Yeah. Brilliant. I, uh, <laughs> but as I put that dormant for a little while, um, unintentionally, we got get pretty decent and, uh, ended up going to private high school at the BC high on my BC high. Mm-hmm. Patriots, I yeah. listen to yeah, this, uh, we hear this podcast. Yeah, we hear them. Can hear them in the background. <laughs> Go, Eagles. Yeah. Uh, we had a pretty good hockey team. It was a Catholic conference. 
one of the most competitive hockey leagues at the time, and it mm-hmm. still is, in in the Northeast. And so, you know, you had a pretty significant chance of going somewhere to play some hockey, yeah, right, right, all over uh-huh. all of the Northeast, Canada, wherever. Um, the funny, the funny story. I don't know if I ever told you. I was recruited by West Point. They only there's only two Division One hockey teams in the academies: really? West Point and Air Force. And uh, yeah, you almost ended funny, up being an army guy. Fun, how funny would that story? Yeah. I often think about yeah. like. You think God doesn't doesn't play a hand in these things? Yeah. Often think about one little one little change along the route would have changed the whole trajectory of your life. Everybody yeah. can sit back and think of yeah, this for sure. Right? How many times? Yeah. If you put it, that's down a whole other podcast right there. If you drew a line, like draw a pictogram, yeah. And, and do, every time there was a major decision, how different mm-hmm. your life would have been. It's mm-hmm. it, fascinating. I get fascinated with that. Stuff. Yeah, I really do. No, that's true. But anyway, so yeah, I got got good hockey, and I went, went did my thing, and um, split my time between two different universities. Graduated with a business degree, and had a job in New York City, the bank. Ready to go, suit and tie. Except that wasn't. And ready. then you thought. Except that wasn't ready to go. What a perfect place to use my business degree, the Navy Seal. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm seeing the connection. I'm seeing the connection. I, I'm telling you that that dormant piece of I I just call it hidden patriotism, or dormant patriotism, yeah. flooded back in May of '96. So the, all those years growing up when you were playing army, just flooded and, back. The thought. Of, of going into the civilian world and just going into an office yeah. every day. Just, I, I had a breakdown. I yeah. said, there's no way. Like, let me, let me explore this a little more. So I walked into a recruiter's office. I literally was a recruiter's like oh, dream yeah, come yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Had a degree, didn't really care. Didn't really do any, <laughs> any background history on, oh, how do you become an officer? Oh, how do you do that? Nope. I walked into a recruiter's office in Connecticut. Two guys were sitting there. The other guy said, and there was a poster on the wall. And said, U.S. Navy SEALs. Well, I literally, it was just one of those recruiting things. Yeah. And I said, I want to be one of those guys. It's a true story. <laughs> these, it, it's significant yeah. because these two guys ended up coming to my Bud's graduation in Did Greenwich, they really? Connecticut. Yeah. Long story. Yeah. Poster was on the wall. I said, I want to do that. They said, you're crazy. Um, okay. But you should be an officer because you just graduated college and you qualify on your scores for a nuke and pilot. And I said, I think everything was just toned out. I uh, so you had an it, opportunity to go right into like officer training school. Well, that's what, you, that, that's what they were pitching. I didn't even hear their yeah. pitch. I didn't even let them pitch. Yeah, I didn't even let them come close because of a poster on a wall. Yep, poster on a wall. <laughs> Once again, then, the trajectory the, of your life could have been so much different, right? <laughs> the team guys that listen, if any team guys listen, they're gonna love this story because it was all, like I said, it was all rumor, yeah, lore, fiction. Yeah. You can't separate fact. Nobody knew anything about the program. There was no internet. We couldn't. I couldn't go get the scores. You know what what it takes for PT. There were printouts somewhere. The the guys at the recruiter office had one. Here's the minimum PT requirements to be a SEAL. Here's the Navy's requirements. Here's the SEAL requirements. I remember talking to people after I made the decision. Uh, before you go on, you go on delayed entry programs called DEP. Right. So you, I actually went in then in May after I graduated and wasn't going to go deploy like get go to boot camp until mm-hmm. August of that year. So I had the summer and they call it delayed entry program. So during that summer, the stuff that the stories I here's here's one. Yeah. It's always somebody that knew. I know a guy who knows a guy whose cousin was a like that's it was always like six removed. I'm like, oh uh-huh. yeah. And then you listen as a as a kid, not knowing anything from anything. Yeah. Trying to learn what it was. Yeah, like trying to learn was like yeah. okay, oh, what does that guy say? Like like he knows, right? It's eighteen removed from mm-hmm. the seal. <laughs> and he was a cook. It's always a cook. Yeah. He goes, I know a guy I went to went to Bud's in uh in Coronado. And he goes, On day one, you get a puppy when you check in. I said, 
now now I'm intrigued. Now yeah, you're saying, yeah. uh, okay, so you get a puppy. He goes, yeah. And I go, what do you do? He goes, you have to all six months of buds. You've got to raise that puppy. He goes, but in order to graduate, in order to graduate, you have to shoot that puppy. <laughs> and I just, I, I just no. remember. No, I remember looking at the, the, the individual and just going, yeah, okay. I mean. Yeah. Really? And then there's that's no way, the, that's there's the kind no of, way to verify. There's no way to yeah, back up. That's the kind of stories you were hearing oh, that yeah. whole time. Oh, yeah. Until you, oh, yeah. Helicopter, yeah. take off. Day one of Bud's helicopter goes out to the Atlantic, drops you off. You got to swim. You got to find out. Oh, yeah. You swim yeah. your way to the East Coast. And then yeah. that's the test. So, <laughs> the, the stories were just like. So what was your nah, biggest shock though? Once too much Bud start, what, once the training starts, like what was one of your biggest shocks? Like one of your phys- greatest physical challenges? When I went time? through? Yeah. Well, okay. Or mental challenges. So, showing up. At, at the command, I mean, you you coming from boot camp, which is easy day, right? You passed that, met the requirements, the minimum requirements. You were rostered to go to a class as long as you medically passed everything there. And then they'd hold you until your buds class came up. And then you ship you to a tournament. And that's how it went. Yeah. When I show, I just, I'll never forget. You showed up, you dress whites. You're proud. Navy. Right, right. Mm-hmm. This is a proud thing about mm-hmm. going to boot camp and then, and then becoming a member of the United States Navy. And you show up and these the SEAL instructors come out. And they're fit. And they're just, you know, as smug as you could possibly be, like me now. Like yeah, a smug yeah. son of a gun. <laughs> First thing I did, I had my medical records. I had all this stuff. You, and you try to look professionally. You put the demeanor on. Go get wet. Go to the surf. You come through the door at Bud's. Like and I was right running. Away. I was running through the compound, right to the beach, yeah. right into the water. Wet, whites and all. And they just, this guy's sitting there trying to caught, laughing. And that. Yeah. That was it. Then the, the megaphones came out on Monday morning. Like, it's, it's all hell breaks yeah, loose. And yeah. You know, you sometimes you hear that phrase like, man, this just got real. What was the moment where in you buds. go, this in, just in got training? real? Yeah, in, in, in training. training. So everybody has, a, everybody has their crucible. Mm-hmm. Everybody's is different. For a lot of guys, it's hell week. I had no issue for, for whatever reason. Did, hell week that's, was just the, a, that's the famous one. Everybody that's, talks about hell that's week. That's the famous one. It would, that, lose that a lot of people you know, pre-hell week and, and then during the first 48 hours of hell week is when we, we attrite a lot of students. In second phase, maybe week two of the eight-week, seven-week phase, you're, you're doing this thing called pool competency where you're with the tanks. So you can YouTube it. I mean, you can go yeah. look at class 234 or whatever. And you're on the bottom of the pool. And you got a tanks, mask, fins. You're down there for about 20 minutes or so, right? Feels like an eternity when you're down there, but you're getting, and you're basically, you've got instructors above you, and then you're getting surf hits. All about comfort in the water without the gear and the gear on, right? So you're, you've got these tanks, and everything's about getting these tanks and then just screwing them up, putting knots in the air hose, exhalation hose, simple hits, complex hits, all builds all up. All the kind of things that could happen if you're yep. out, yeah. All builds up making you pretty much hypoxic during things you're never really getting back into the flow and that's the point right you get more uncomfortable more uncomfortable and all of a sudden bam at the there's a big big test at the end i won't spoil it for the those of us that are trying to go through training at home but there's a big test at the end and yeah if you pass or fail it's all based on your comfort and procedure everything is attention to detail under pressure so test one go down there i'm down there for about i don't know guessing 13 minutes felt like an hour and a half and I thought I had, I was at the crucible, went down there, went to tug a little bit too hard on the manifold, pulled my hoses straight off the face. So now you got a free flowing oxygen tank on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I remember holding my breath, the instructor looked at me, I looked at him, 
I just took the manifold and sat in the bottom and started sucking air. He's like, no, 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 no. Up, up, up. Fail. You get four tries. Um, I forget what happened on the second try. I don't know if I thought it was, a, you know, it was the end of the test again and yeah, I didn't yeah. do the procedure right. Fail. But at, on number three, I go, oh. Everything was like, oh, am I going to roll? Am I gonna... Is this all on the same day? Like, is This it, is this... all on the same. It's like an over two-day test. But yeah, okay. tries three and yeah, four, I think, yeah. were day two. And so that made it even worse because yeah, now you so go to sleep and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Now with half the class is sitting over there and then the rest of the, you know, the, the misfits, right? Yeah. It, it, we, we've got to test out. So I, I made it on the third try. But it was like that constantly. You're like, oh, God. Right up until Bud's graduation. I mean, they keep the pressure on. So that moment at the bottom of the pool was really where you're feeling like this. This oh, just yeah. got real. Like this is. It's, hell week a, it's actually when I can, it's, it's when you get out of the pool. Yeah. And you climb over the side of the water and you're sitting there and you're UDT yeah. shorts and you're soaking wet and cold and you're like, oh god, I got to do it again. Think of the mental mind prep that goes in. I mean, at least for me, I was that way. I worked myself up to every level. I'm like, oh god, yeah, I'm gonna pass evolution. Like, what do I need to do? And then you're sleeping at night, mentally preparing. And what it takes to just keep doing that procedure. Because when I tell you this procedural, I mean, to the point where if you, if your strap goes in the wrong way, not left to right, right to left, fail. Yeah. When was the moment then when you actually, you get out of training now, you're an official Navy SEAL. When was the moment where you're going, this just got real, we're not in training anymore? Because I know you had a lot of situations. You were all over the world. You shared some of that with me before. But what do you remember that moment where you're like, this isn't training anymore. This is real. Yeah, I remember. I remember it vividly. And that, and actually, it was it was not the first, my first, experience exposure to combat was really 1999. It was pre. It wasn't your first one. It wasn't my first one. Really, it wasn't my first one. So we we went in. You know, everybody forgets that war, Bosnia Herzegovina, the Kosovo conflict, and all that stuff under the Clinton administration. So, the moment that you speak of was 9/11. So. We were, everybody remembers where they were, 9-11, it's a no-brainer. I was in Kill House, can't make this up. We were, Fort Pickett was the name of the place, it was a training venue, and I remember doing run after run, it's summer, it's hot, you know, in Virginia Beach, and I remember coming out, taking a water break, we're all sweating, and the instructors, I won't, won't name their names, I, I'm pretty sure they're retired by now, but they were, you know, came over and got everybody all fired up, it's like, oh, Bin Laden, he said this, can't make this up. Bin Laden just landed two planes before anybody knew it was Bin Laden, right? Before that was Yeah, it wasn't even public out. yet. In the, it wasn't yeah, public. Yeah. I didn't, we, didn't even, we just thought it was a motivational speech. Bin Laden just landed two planes in the, into the World Trade Center. And now we're going to get in there. So we're just drinking water. Like, uh, I'm just mm-hmm. like, I got to hydrate. I'm sweating. And I thought he was going to give us a rah-rah speech. You know, it got people fired up and went in and did two more runs. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that 9/11 actually happened, like this actually happened. Yeah. One of our new guys was in the van, out there just cool, putting the air conditioner on because it was so hot that day. I remember him firing up, turning the radio. I went over to either reload, do something. Came out of the house, and there it is. It's all. I said, turn the radio. It turns the radio up. It was oh yeah, that, the second plane. They're just talking about the second plane already hit. And then everybody, st- the, the entire platoon was around the the van. And I'll never, I just remember just being in shock. Yeah. At that moment that everybody realized that, that he was telling a real story and we went in and did more live runs. At that moment, the cadre, the instructor cadre said, pack it up, boys. We got to get it. We're going back to the beach. That's when it got real. That's you want to talk about getting realized, real? Yeah. That's when it got real. Yeah. We're going back to the beach. 
we did. We made it off because they shut down the bases after. Like bases went to Threatcon Delta or whatever their yeah. highest. The whole from then on, yeah. I think everything everything, everything, everything changed. changed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it, things that were. I had been not uh, nineteen ninety seven eight nine three four five years in the teams, but it was different from that moment. It, on. it never was. Never went back yeah. to being the, the paradigm shift that happened yeah. that day. Yeah. Um, Surreal, like mm -hmm. it, it got mm -hmm. everything was in motion. The balls yeah. are in motion, and how I, I quickly stuff. Happened. I can't even imagine that because, again, anybody listening who was alive at that time, we can, we can go. This is where I was. This is when I heard it. This is the right. moment. This is how I felt. Right. But for your team that was sitting there that day, you have all those emotions plus. Okay, we're going over there. Right. We're this. This is this just got real. Right. All right. Let's back up a little bit because this is we've talked about this a little bit before, just in our meetings together, and why some people make it through there or not. Because I'm I I suppose that everybody that comes in the buds program, there this has been their dream. This has been their passion. Yeah. Maybe it was maybe it was later in life. Some of them maybe their whole life they thought about it. They don't go in there expecting like I'm an, I'm not going to make it. I think most of them are going. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be a seal. But most don't. Right. Why do you think that is? What What's the difference between the people who make it and don't make it? Uh, perspective, um, expectation. I can tell you. I can tell you the Gallup story that uh, Naval Special Warfare paid Gallup umpteen hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or who knows? Um, to do a study to target areas in the United States for SEAL recurring. Yeah, it's never been focused. I don't think. You know, trying to figure out. Where trying to figure we out. Hey, get... where can we? Where can we spend? The preponderance of our time to get in there and make make sense, make mm -hmm. it make sense to find seals. Long story short, the study turned out to be inconclusive. They went around, they looked at, they found little pockets, one in Pennsylvania, northeast, one in northern California, a couple in the Midwest. Really, it was inconclusive. What kind of sports they play? Well, wrestlers and swimmers, those individual sports seemed to well then. There's also the, there was a bunch of football players, yeah, and then yeah. there was a bunch of non-team sports that yeah. didn't play team sports at all. City boys or farm boys, yeah. right? none of all it, none backgrounds. Of it. All it it really didn't matter. Really, if you read the results, there, there was a, both a classified and non-classified yeah. um, production. I, I believe I years since I've seen it, but uh, you know, inconclusive. So you're really saying it was a total waste of money. Uh. <laughs> It's the government. Right? <laughs> yes. I, I led you into that one. Sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> what do you want? No. Uh, no, because I, I I had many colleagues take take place. That. You you had high hopes for this. Okay, what are they going to find? Yeah. We finally did this. We're finally well known enough and then you know desired enough to to go do this. And yeah, it's it's kind, kind of a letdown. But that's how good the program is. Like the program, it's selecting. Yeah. I, I don't know where it came. Like I don't know what the psychology behind that was, but. You still can't after being at that command for three years as opso and two years of you know die phase, um, and having seen and talked to hundreds of students that have gone through, it's impossible you, to tell who's going to make. Yeah, and, and believe me, all the instructors. Yeah. So we, we day one. So you. So here's what I hear you saying. You you were in 21 years. If you sat there with a the clipboard and you saw all these guys getting off the bus that first day yeah. when they send you yeah. out there, that that even you after 21 years would have a really hard time going, he's going to make it. He's almost not going to make it. Oh, if I was to impossible. bet money on it, which is why I don't gamble, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd probably lose my shirt. You could look at a guy wow. physically. I mean, we've had all types. Yeah. You, you go way back. We've had collegiate football players, professional triathletes, professional endurance runners. Um, and, th and those guys will wash out nine out of ten times. Oh, yeah, they've got the physical attributes. 
but it's the mental piece. It's the mental piece that really comes in. It, it yeah. really takes over at some point. You you can be physically in shape and, and do well in the evolutions in buds, but if your mindset is wrong, that mental mindset is wrong. Forget it. So you're, what is the right mental mindset? I, I so my theory. Yeah, and this is what you were getting at. I think. Yeah, this is alluding to is at, at, again after multiple interviews with students, eighteen year old kids. This is their dream. Some of them wash out. Some of them don't. Um, you have to have, there's some adversity in their background. If you start peeling back the layers of that onion and really get in an in-depth conversation, mm -hmm. eye to eye with some of these kids, and I did, because it's so humbling to, to tell these guys, you know, you can't continue in training or this program wasn't for you. You start peeling back that onion, you start to, oh, oh, you, you came from a divorced family. Oh, you were abused as a child. So they had to overcome oh, something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you had a chip on your shoulder because your you know, yeah. father withheld inheritance from you. Whether you were wealthy, poor, middle class, didn't matter. There was something in the background. I 100% guarantee. Yeah. I came from a divorced family. Young kid. Was that the re Who knows? That's adversity, though. Mm -hmm. According to for the sure. way we're supposed to, the norms of society, yeah. yep. that's adversity. For sure. And I had to work for everything I got right from day one. So the Parma theory, the Parma theory is that the ones who make it have in their past, they've had to deal with adversity. Right. They've had to overcome something. I, I, I honestly believe yeah. that there's something yeah. there. And it may not be blatantly obvious at one. Like you may have to peel back that onion if you did, but you'll find it. Guarantee you'll find it. And I, all the guys I know, you have to be a misfit. Yeah. Like you basically have to be a misfit. Yeah. We could talk, we could talk about recently. There was a, uh, a friend of mine, you know, I often get referrals. Hey, can you talk to this guy? He's out in the program. He's coming to Coronado. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it. Happy to give guidance that I never got. Yeah, I got zero going through. So, mm -hmm. which sometimes is better. It's better to go Be in better not, not knowing. knowing. I think that's <laughs> yes. why. I, yeah, it, yeah. Because then you mental mind it. You know, mm -hmm. it's like uh, you'll over you'll overthink it for sure. But anyway, I'll talk to I'll talk to an individual. Yeah, hey, have him meet me for coffee at the compound or whatever. And recently, I had a kid from from Connecticut, um, a really good friend of mine, called me. Said, hey, I got this kid. I'm sending him away. Can you talk to him? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Sat down on coffee, squared away kid, gives background. Hey, what's your background? Because I'm curious. Straight A student. Comes from a wealthy family. Um, went to all the best schools, all the best colleges. Came out. Athletic, smart. Athletic. Yeah, yeah really smart, well-mannered kid. But I, I'm talking to him like, you're perfect on paper. Mm -hmm. You are just perfect. And I can't, I'm looking at him. He's... Probably doesn't understand the stare that I'm because I'm waiting for it. Like, what is okay? Well, give me something. Like, give me <laughs> you. You robbed a candy store. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you give me something. It's got to come up. Didn't come out. Nothing. He quits. Hmm. He quits in Hell Week twice because he hadn't he hadn't dealt with adversity prior to that. That's your th that's again, the Parma again, theory. Again, yeah. There's no the Parma uh, theory. Uh, We're gonna make that phrase famous right here today. Uh, Parma I, theory. I'm just yeah. telling. You, there's no adversity there. Yeah. And, and if you ever write a book, that needs to be one of the chapter titles. Yeah. Okay. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So, but, but uh, you know, it, 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 it's happened countless times with guys that. I mean, we we talked before this about the the suicide story. Right. So this kid was type A personality, UCLA grad. All the he met all the metrics, all the metrics, and then. You know they show up at buds, and some of them, some of them, it's a, uh, it's like, okay, this is just the next chat. Like I've been so perfect in in my life, I'm gonna, of course I can do it. Like, mm -hmm. and then they don't. Mm -hmm. In that particular case, 
the kid took it so hard that he drove across the bridge and committed suicide. You, you know what's really interesting about this, though, JJ, is that uh, I was a teacher and a coach for 10 years, and so I look back on the students that I taught, and as you're talking about this right now, I go, man, it was the same thing that I saw. Not just that, you know, none of them became SEALs, but just in life. Right. The ones that sometimes on paper, they were the misfits. They didn't fit in really. They didn't look like they, they didn't, you know, they weren't the valedictorians or whatever. Some of them or many of them went on and they've done incredible things. I just met with one last week and it's unbelievable you what he's learned, accomplished. You learned so much from adverse events. Yeah. I, I just, there's, there's no, you can't pay enough for education like that. Mm -hmm. You can do, go through all the top things in the world. If you never have an issue, it's the same thing as, as you've got to fail to succeed. It's the, the same mentality. Yep. And unintentionally, when you have yeah. some adversity in your life, you can't be shielded from from life. And, and this is I worry about that today. Well, and th that's why almost every time you and I talk together, we come back to this this concept of embracing discomfort, right? Right. And that's something that's that's near and dear to your heart. Yep. Like you're passionate about yep. that. I'll stand on stage and tell you, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Why? Why? I mean, I know this for for all the reasons we just talked yeah. about, and then some. So yeah. if you're living in a world of comfort. And you're ha you're okay with where things are, and okay, because you're not. You're, trust me, if you're in the comfort zone, you're not feeling fantastic about it. Mm -hmm. You're not advancing. You're not growing mentally. You're not growing physically. If you're if you sit inside this comfort bubble, mm -hmm. and and most people get it's at a point right. People climb and then they just suddenly stop. And anybody that's listening to this podcast guy probably sitting there going, "Yeah, I, I think I'm there now." Right? Yeah. There's a, I bet the preponderance of people say it. I'm there now. I'm comfortable. You got to get out of it, right? You and then how do you get out of the comfort zone? You have to do something that, that's challenging. You have to challenge. You have to push yourself. And I'm not talking about as a navy. Like you don't have to go yeah, drop into yeah. the Atlantic Ocean, cross Russia with a passport and ten yeah. bucks. You need to <laughs> mentally open up and say, okay, I've been doing this for a long time. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's your workout program. Maybe it's your eating regimen. Right? All this stuff matters. It's the pillars of you know success and how to be a full person. Maybe you're just stuck in one of these areas. Relationship. Mm -hmm. You've got to break out, and you got to do. You've got to challenge it. You've got to do something outside the norm, so that you can you can fulfill. And every single time, you're going to be so glad when you step in. It's the hardest thing to do. Changing profession, mm -hmm. hardest thing to do. I work in the finance world now. What? What the hell is a seal doing in finance? Yeah, that's yeah. the question. I, <laughs> exactly. I don't have. I go. I don't know because I'm an idiot. Like well, the, the first time I met you, that was where I'm like, how did you go it, from the, fa the face to, you just made? The yeah. face you just made is the face that I get. And it, it blows me. It even blow. Yeah. It like shocks me. I go. I, I have no idea. Like yeah. I just took the step. I, on the job, OJT it was an uncomfortable very un step. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. To leave the military was uncomfortable. Yeah. A lot of guys get stuck in that trap too. Mm -hmm. They get stuck into that. You know, Daddy Sugar's paying those bills. Yeah. And they're good. They're good seals. They're good soldiers. They're good everything. They're, but they've been doing this for two great, decades of their life. Two decades life. of their life. But I know a lot of them are unhappy. Some of them really do love it. And they have a different goal. You know, maybe they want to achieve that pyramid. But very few of them ever get up there. And a lot of them just stay. And they're halfway in, halfway out, straddling that line with two feet. Yeah. They're afraid to put that foot over. And I want to be the example. Like, get out there and look, just I may, I may fall on my face yeah. next week. I've gotten so used to being out of the car. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like you can't, that, there's a saying at Bud's, that which does not kill me only makes me stronger. It's on the walls. It used to be they tore down the compound. Hopefully they put it back up in the new, the new compound. Only easy day was yesterday. Talked about that last time. Those sayings mm -hmm. are up there and they're up there for a reason. They, 
if you actually take them to heart, like I wish they were more than just a and picture on the wall. It's not just about being a Navy SEAL. That's no, about it's living not. a good life, right? It, those, those are applicable to everything yeah. that we do. Yeah. Everything. That's when you start achieving. Then you're in full cycle and you start achieving. Don't you think that sometimes as, as we go further into life and we become more of an expert, I don't think there's any such thing as an expert, no, but maybe further not. along on the learning curve, that danger even becomes more so, doesn't it, to become comfortable? Because when all of a sudden you're sitting in the room and you're the expert on whatever this is or right. the person further along right. on the learning curve, you're comfortable now. And that's where you start to get lazy, right? Right. So you're, you're suggesting, anybody listening, you're suggesting to me sitting here, whatever you do, you have to look at your life right now, take an assessment and go, what, how are you comfortable? Every day. And how do you get yourself Every out of day. That? Every day you wake up, every single day. I challenge, I'm telling you, what is, where in my life have I become too comfortable? Yeah. What isn't working? Yeah. Challenge it, change it. Yeah. It's hard. It, it sounds so easy to do, but it's hard. You know what's interesting is I, I just was asking this question of numerous people for the last few weeks from a spiritual perspective. I asked them the question, where in your life did you feel the closest to God? Like, where did you feel this connection to God? And you know what? Every single one of them answered when I was going through a difficult time, one of the most difficult times in my life. Right. That's where they were uncomfortable. Right. It was in those uncomfortable, disorienting times in their lives where yep. they felt that connection. Yep. To God. So, I mean, you're saying it's physical, social, spiritual, every part of our every, emotional. Every facet of your life. Yeah. Has, you have to look at all of them constantly. This whole thing about the continuum of time, people, you get in this rut and they just keep working and they just want to work all day, work every day. And then they work their way through it. They're working their way through life is what I call it. And they're never stopping. Right? They're not really living life. They're, they're not just, living yeah. life at all. And, and again, it sounds so easy to do. And I know it's difficult, but it's got to be if you want your life to change you have to you have to take control right these people people Wait, say never that again because that's such a simple phrase but not say that it again. is if you want your life to change you have to take control you have to take that you know ship steering wheel and, yeah. and right correct your ship you know? and there's a lot of people that probably don't they don't even know where it happened but somewhere they gave that steering wheel over to yeah 100 percent. and then they, they, they got stuck in the rut and they're working they're working yeah. their way through life it doesn't really matter though right, right now at this point to figure out where it happened, just grab that. So I do these, right? I do these social experiments, right? Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. In California is the, so I, you know, I'm, I split my time, California, Texas, my kids are in California. I do these experiments now where I go for these long runs. This is fairly new because I think particularly in California, you've been regional before. This isn't, this isn't a political thing. This isn't a red blue. This is just California. Yeah. People you are uptight. There. Yeah. People are uptight. And I think there's a reason for it. I think it's the socioeconomic situation there's some political turmoil there there it's expensive mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and you've got people just struggling to get by and i think that plays into it a little bit some of that west coast cultural old old school stuff plays into it but they're not very friendly you go around that you go to the east coast and we may be a-holes i uh, yeah. yeah you know that's the place in traffic assumes that but there's yes. people people are still to me a little friendly okay yeah. you can agree or disagree yeah you go to texas god bless Texas, like you love Texas. They, I, I've been love, like, yeah. I'm in love, I love with Texas. it. I, I yeah. totally am in love with it. I'm so happy to be a Texan, uh, greatest state on the planet. But the people, I, I, I mean, I was like a little child. I, I, I get all butter, like butterfly when I first uh -huh. went, when I first started, you know, frequenting and then became a resident, driving my truck down the people walking hand in hand, you know, old couples. Yeah, you'll go by on some yeah. country road, and they're 
They're waving. There goes the hand. I, it took me five times. And I go, are they waving at what, me? Yeah. They're waving at me. I've Am been, I doing something wrong? I've been Am so I... Californified, right? Mm-hmm. Are they waving at me? And I, they were. And I got so, the joy that that, there's something yeah. so simple about all the Texans some right other now? human being, individual, connecting with you from a wave. Yeah. That, all the important. Texans right now are telling you to shut up because they're like, yeah, we don't want anybody moving to our state anymore. So, sorry, Texas. Yes. I, yeah. I, so your I social promise ex- to keep the secret. <laughs> what your social experiment? You're you're out so running I, so in, in California. I do, so we, now that now that I've totally had exposure mm-hmm. to both, and I go back and forth, back and forth. I go to California now, and I say it's part of part of it is is me being the religious kid that I you know diehard Catholic mm-hmm. kid raised up. Mm-hmm. Everything's pers- personal for me, private. I, I wear blessed cross that mm-hmm. my friend Joe gave me. Um, still wear it. To, I wear it every day. My daughter made me this blue. So my newest thing lately is I want to do something. I, I got to do one good deed every day. Mm-hmm. I wake up thinking that. Yeah. Sometimes it, it, yep. it doesn't get done. I get mad now. Make this, this is a, make this world buy a, a better coffee. Place. Buy yeah. a coffee. Yep. Last week I bought a lady's grocery. Like she couldn't afford. We were in Imperial Beach, California. She couldn't afford. She had ground beef and sauce, and she was about to walk away. Didn't speak English. And I stopped and I said, nope. And you know how good that, like the feeling yeah. that, that, that I get. It's yeah. like the people waving at you, the, yeah. the connection. Mm-hmm. The lady didn't know what to do. I just paid, left. Yeah. And she was overjoyed. Like you could just That's tell, cool. you could feel it. Yeah. So in California now, I, on my runs, I said, okay, I'm going to change. I'm going to change the world one person at a time, one person at a time by a wave or a good morning. The shock. So now I'll be running. I go for an hour run and most of it's meditation or I'll do, you know, I'll be biking. Usually on the trail, it's when you see the people. They're just doing their thing. They're in their lane in their California. And I'll just, out of the blue, out loud, hey, good morning. How are you? Shot most people in California. It, yeah. You get this look. And I love and I just blow it's by. It's almost become a cultural thing there. Isn't yep. it? It's, in the, it's yeah. almost in, ingrained in, in, into that yeah. society. And I, you know, it's the great, and they kind of pause and, you could just feel the the whole mood changes, right? So all these people today not talking, nobody's. I mean, you can hear it on every podcast. Everybody's talking about, but then nobody's nobody's doing anything about it. Yeah. How do you change? Well, we can sit here and say that nobody wants to talk. You know, we're politically divided. And we, you, but go. All those walls can come down. Yeah, you yeah. never really know. Get uncomfortable and do something. We're about all it. here yeah. together. Yeah. We all have to live. Yeah. And it's not. There's not less people today. There's more. There's more. And yeah. and and as much as I, you know. Like to be in my little bubble every once in a while, but we're all we all have to live on it's this the whole planet. thing of being the change. Yeah. Well, hey, let me read you some some quotes, and I just want you to comment on these. Okay. So no, these are quotes that deal with something that you and I talk about often, embracing. Okay, don't test discomfort. me on who said the quotes. Oh, I won't. I won't. Well, I some won't. of these are actually. I just. I just sometimes will read and I'll I'll write yeah. down some thoughts or something. So okay. I don't know. Some of these might be mine. Some of these might be some from a book I read. But uh, here's one of them. You will not find strength in comfortable situations. Strength is found in the grind, in the wilderness, in tough moments. You agree with that? So that's what we just talked about. Yeah. That's the comfort zone. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't find you anything don't need, in a comfortable moment because yeah. you're not thinking You don't about need it. strength. You don't right. need courage. You're not changing anything. You're not yeah. using other senses. You're not on edge. You're not causing your brain to challenge yourself to think, how do I get out of this situation? Oh, what can I do to better myself? Right? That's... Yeah. How about this one? Comforts have the danger of subduing us with a slow, deceptive sleep. We become completely oblivious that we have lost our edge, our fighting spirit. So this this is the yeah, perfect, right? This is this is exactly what is taught to you as a 
special operator, right? Mm-hmm. As a, especially as a SEAL. Complacency will kill you. Complacency will kill you. You can never be complacent. No matter how many days you're sitting on that mountaintop or how long you're watching this target, not you can never lull yourself into this false sense of security where you'll get complacent. Yeah. The yeah. minute that happens, yeah. you're dead. Yeah. Like it's over. Yeah. That applied to now so people are out there, oh, how do I apply that to my level? It's the same thing. I mean, really, the minute you work yourself to death every single day, yeah. you've already died. Right, you're, you're being complacent. Like step the the out. difference might be that it's a it's a long drawn out slow death. A long drawn, yeah, right. You, yeah. And then at the end of the day, like I said, nobody reflects on time every day. Every day you should reflect on time. I'm here, okay. You know, like people meditate. Yeah. I try to do. I'm terrible at it, but I try to do 15 minutes of meditation every day because I think it's so healthy. Yeah. But that's at that point when I actually do block off that time, which I suck at. Yeah. When I do block it, that's when I think of these things. And I go, like, okay, stop. You're treasuring the moment, stop. treasuring yep. the day, I treasuring go, time. And my kids keep me grounded. Like, they really yeah. do. Keep me super grounded. And they keep me thinking about that 100%. Because when you have something to live for, that's when things matter, right? So I think about that and I go, okay, stop. How was, the, how, how was today? Is your head so far in the sand today that you're not realizing that? I, I, it is true. You become hopefully you become a better person as you get older and smarter yeah. and wiser. And I hopefully I I hope that that's but that doesn't automatically happen. Doesn't automatically. Yeah. Happen. You have to. This is what I mean. I'm yeah. forcefully doing it every day. But now that I'm forcefully doing that every day, you start to see like it's like a butterfly coming mm-hmm. out of, coming out mm-hmm. of the cocoon. It's the best analogy I could have. Yeah. So soft for a seal, yeah. right? Yeah. Butterfly out of the cocoon. <laughs> yeah. It's not, yeah, the, no. not the analogy I was thinking. But I, I mean, I, I, I but it's true. Would do that. Yeah. How about this one? Every person and organization will naturally drift toward complacency. You don't grow accidentally. Right. Same thing. So when I do the public speaking that I do, and I get up there and I say, well, look, in this, this start of the Navy, you're in one job. Have you thought about going to do the counting down the hall with Alice or going up to production with Steve or even going to the CEO's office for a day and say, hey, can I sit next to you and see what you do? Stepping out of that comfort zone, because the companies get complacent, and they do. Mm-hmm. Rotate positions. That's like the first thing you can do. And I, trust me, every company will they'll open arms. If they're not, then there's something's wrong. I think it's brilliant. I think most bosses that I've talked to, CEOs, think it's brilliant, right? Cross-train. Which Just, is one of the things that as SEAL teams you 100%, did, right? Right. You got a 60 guy, you got a medic, you're carrying bullets, you're doing yeah. radios, yeah. You're, like, you're, you're doing it all. You, you know everybody's job, and you know how difficult. And then you appreciate right, yeah. what it does. Yeah. And then maybe, oh. I would like to do that one day. And you can. You realize that you can, right? That's out of the comfort zone. When you realize you can, that's not that difficult because most people can and they just never will. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I really get well, and that, emotional about yeah, it. Yeah, and well, and that's what I've seen. Every about. time I talk with you, this somehow comes out in yeah. our conversations because yeah. you, you are passionate about it, which is why I'm going to tell you right now, publicly on this podcast, you need to write a book about this. <laughs> you do. You do. It's, I think it's something. I think the topic's that, great. I, I think it is. It is. And we need to yeah. hear it because, again, it's, it's those quotes. I mean, it's what we've been talking about this whole time. Complacency is, it's, we just, we, we end up complacent. We don't even realize how we got there. Right. It happens so slowly. Right. So it's a great message. I, I think you do need to write a book on it. So, right, it's a deal. You're going to do it. Only if you read it with me. How about that? I'll make <laughs> hey, you a deal. Yeah, I would love that. Hey, JJ, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Um, always learn a lot from you. Leave us with one more. I mean, I, th- I think you're, you're, the piece that you said earlier, you said tangibly, do something today that will make you uncomfortable. Is that what you want to leave us with? Or is there something else you want to tell us to do? 
I, I think I think le- leaving with leaving with this, just stop today. After you listen to this, stop, think, sit down in a quiet room, quiet place, and say, where where am I too comfortable? How can I change my life for the better? It, it, maybe this as simple as changing changing your eating habits tomorrow. Tomorrow. Like, don't wait. Once you make that decision, do it. Yeah. Jump into it, both yeah. feet. Because if you wait, you're just being complacent. It's good. Good advice. Yeah. Thanks, JJ. Thanks oh, for your always service. Always a pleasure. Thanks for always what you're a doing. Pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks Pat. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.